You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. In these last two years, it's unprecedented how many times the word unprecedented has been used. We hear it over and over and over again as we have journeyed through the dark night of COVID-19 and dealt with shutdowns and distancing and masks and vaccines and boosters and on and on and on. We keep hearing that all of this is unprecedented. And to be honest with you, I'm a little bit tired of the word. But then I had this thought. What if in 2022, God redeemed the word unprecedented here in our church? What if we got to the end of this year and we could say, It's unprecedented how many people were saved and baptized this year at First Baptist. What if we got to the end of the year and we could say, it's unprecedented how many people came to gather and worship. It's unprecedented how many people were involved in intentional discipleship and Bible studies. It's unprecedented the the change that happened in individuals and in marriages and in families. What if God redeemed the word unprecedented here at First Baptist in 2022? I think it would be significant. In fact, I'm asking God to do that. And I'm asking you to pray that with me. That we would see God move in unprecedented ways in this calendar year. If that happens, if God chooses by His grace to bless and to move in that way, it's going to entail you and me actively, intentionally, consistently bringing people to Jesus. So keeping that in mind, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35. We will be back in our study of Ephesians next Sunday. But before we did that, I wanted to talk to you about some vision in relation to our church. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verse 35. When you found your place there, I want to ask you to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word if you are physically able. John 1, verse 35, the Bible says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. 
Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And look in verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to gather as a faith family. To lift up your praises. To declare your faithfulness. To rest in your faithfulness. And now to gather around your word. Lord, with expectant hearts. Lord, we ask you to move in our midst. Use your word by your spirit to change us, to transform us. So that we would leave today different than when we walked in. By your grace and always, Lord, always, always, always for your glory. And we ask and pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. John 1 is an interesting passage of Scripture, this section of John 1. The passage just before the one we read is the first encounter that John the Baptist has with Jesus when he calls him the Lamb of God. And we see him make that same statement there in verse 36, talking to two people who were there hanging out with John. John pointed them to Jesus And what I want us to focus on this morning is I want to focus on Andrew's instinct after he met Jesus, followed Jesus, spent time with Jesus to bring his loved one to Jesus. You see, this verse is an illustration of what you and I are called to do. If you are a follower of Christ, you are called, I am called, we are called to bring people to Jesus. And Andrew illustrates what this looks like. Now, you've heard me talk about our discipleship path, what we are all about as a church. You, you, you will have the graphic here on the screen in a moment. And this discipleship path shows us what we want to be focused on. We want to see people saved and baptized, stepping into the kingdom through Jesus, uh, born again, forgiven of their sins. We want to see people, after they are Christians, 
connected with a smaller group of folks that they can live life with and minister to and be ministered uh, by in that small group setting. And we want to see them growing, even in a smaller group. I'll talk about that in a few moments. A smaller group of disciples, a discipleship setting where they're really challenged to, 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 to accelerate their spiritual growth. And, and after they're connected and growing, we want to see them serving others and serving in the church and going and reaching out to others, bringing others into the kingdom. Now, if we're going to have people become fully functioning followers of Christ, if we're going to see disciples made, there has to be a starting point. And the starting point is someone has to be saved and baptized. If they're going to journey along this discipleship path, they've got to start the journey, right? And for them to start the journey, we are called to bring them to Jesus. And so, in this text, we're going to see four steps. Four steps that will help you and will help me to be more effective in bringing people to Jesus. Step number one, decide to follow Christ. That's the starting point. Decide to follow Christ. And look back with me in verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, there are two aspects of this this section I want you to see, these two verses. First of all, you and I need to be grateful for everyone that has pointed us to Jesus. Here in this text, John the Baptist, who was called to be the the forerunner for Christ, the one who would prepare the way for the the Messiah, is standing there with, it says, two of his disciples. So these two men who are unnamed at this point are standing there with John. They've been under his tutelage, learning from him, hearing him preach, seeing him minister. And as Jesus comes walking by John points to Jesus and says, for the benefit of these two disciples, behold the Lamb of God. He pointed them to Jesus. And when they hear this this call to fix their eyes upon Jesus, they begin to follow Jesus. In other words, these two disciples followed Jesus because someone pointed them to Jesus. And and let me just say this to you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are saved this morning, someone pointed you to Jesus, right? And whoever that was who pointed you to Jesus, you ought to be grateful. It could be a parent. It could be a pastor. It could be uh, a teacher. It could be a a coach. It could be uh, a cousin. Uh, It could be anybody. It could be a a, a variety of people that God used in different ways at different times in your life. But we ought to be grateful that there was someone in our life that said, Look at Jesus. You need Him. The great English preacher Charles Spurgeon, he preached in the late... Uh, 1800s in London, England, uh, was getting ready for a large gathering in an assembly hall in London called the Crystal Palace. And a few days before this special meeting where there would be thousands of people in this assembly, uh, Charles Spurgeon went to 
the Crystal Palace to test out the acoustics. This is before the amplification that we have today. And so Charles Spurgeon went and stood where the pulpit would be, and he said, taking the words of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he said that, there was a worker in the rafters doing some work, and he heard that call to look to Jesus. He felt convicted of his sin. He went home and gave his life to Jesus. Just from Charles Spurgeon saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, in a very simple way, this man was pointed to Jesus and got saved. That's what happens here in this text. John the Baptist says, Hey, look, there's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. You don't need to be following me when you can follow him. And so be grateful for everyone that has pointed you to Jesus. Secondly, be aware that when you become a Christian, you become a witness. When you become a Christian, you become a witness. That is your job description. True or false? Now, now listen, true or false? At the moment you were saved, I was saved when I was nine years of age. At the moment you were saved, God could have taken you directly to heaven. True or false? True. Why are you still here? Why did he leave you here? Why is your heart still beating? Why are your lungs still breathing? Because he wants you, he calls you, he commands you to be a witness so you can point others to him and bring others with you to heaven. Amen? That's why we're here. We're called to be witnesses over in Acts chapter 1 before Jesus ascended back to the Father after his death and his burial and his resurrection. He's with his disciples and he says, hey, here's the deal, guys. The, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you great power. And when this happens, you will be my witnesses. You'll bear witness of what you've experienced, what you've seen, what you've heard. You'll tell others about me. And the disciples bore witness to Christ and people got saved. And those people bore witness to Christ and others got saved. And then those people bore witness to Christ and others got saved until one day you heard the gospel. Right? We are called to be witnesses. When you become a Christian, you become a witness. Where you bear witness, you testify to your experience with Christ and let others know that Jesus, the Jesus who changed your life can change their life too. So number one, first step in bringing people to Jesus is decide to follow Christ. Become a, a Christ follower. Understand that when you follow him, you are a witness. Number two, second step. And this is so important. I think this is where we miss it when it comes to some evangelism training. Develop intimacy with Christ. Develop intimacy, fellowship, closeness with Christ. Look what it says there in verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. So Jesus recognizes that these two men responded to the witness of John the Baptist and they come to him and are, are, are literally following him. 
And, and he wants them to articulate what's going on in their heart. What do you see? Why are you following me? What's your purpose? And then one of the disciples asked an interesting question. Where are you staying? That, that was the disciples' way of saying, wherever you go, you're going, we want to go too. We want to spend some time with you. And so Jesus said, come and you will see. And John gives us an interesting detail there in verse 39. He said it was, it was about the 10th hour. Now, there's some debate on what time the 10th hour refers to. And it, it really hinges on whether you're using... Hebrew uh, timing or Roman timing. If this is Hebrew timing, it's around 10 in the morning. I'm sorry, Roman timing about 10 in the morning. If you're using Hebrew timing, this is about 4 in the afternoon. Probably Hebrew timing because uh, over in the uh, narrative of the crucifixion, it speaks of, of the, the, the Hebrew time of Jesus dying uh, or, or being crucified and hanging on the cross at noon. And so if you take that passage and link it up with this passage, he, John's probably using the Hebrew concept of time throughout. So this is probably about four in the afternoon. And so these disciples go and, and, and hang out with Jesus. It's probably getting close to dinner time, right? Probably close to time to eat. And so they, they probably share a meal together, and they're spending time with Jesus. And I believe, and we'll see in a moment, I believe this is why Andrew was such an effective witness. Because during his time with Jesus, he grew in his appreciation for Jesus and wanted to tell others. Let me give you three thoughts about spending time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus increases your love for Jesus. It's, it's just, he's a person. And he invites you into his presence. He invites you to walk with him and talk with him. And as you spend time with him, you will grow, grow in your love and adoration for him. Spending time with Jesus increases your love for him. And spending time with Jesus aligns you with his mission. When you spend time with Jesus, the things that are important to his heart become important to your heart. He brings you into alignment with his mission and his purposes for the world. And spending time with Jesus leads to winsome evangelism. The word winsome is a word we don't use much anymore, but it's a really great word. The word winsome means attractive or appealing. It means that, that as, as Christians, we share Christ in a way that is natural, in a way that is attractive, a, a way that connects with people, not, not in harsh ways that, that push people away, but in a, a winsome, appealing way. And I believe that Andrew was a winsome witness because he spent time with Jesus. And during his time with Jesus, he grew in his love and adoration and appreciation for Jesus. And it was, listen, it was just natural for him to tell somebody else. You see, we are all evangelists in this room. We're all evangelists. Now, some in this room are food evangelists. You go to a good restaurant, you have a nice meal, what do you do next? Tell somebody, right? You won't believe this place we ate. You got to get this and that. We're food evangelists. I'm an I'm a ardent food evangelist. If I have a good meal, I'll tell you about it. Some of us are, are sports evangelists. We like to talk about our favorite team, or our favorite player, our favorite athlete. Some of us are movie evangelists. We see a, a great movie or a great show on Netflix, and we want to tell people about it so they'll watch it too. We're all evangelists. 
All of us have things in this life and world that impress us. And when we feel impressed, we want to tell others about it. Listen to me. Let's be impressed by Jesus. You say, how can I be more impressed by Jesus? Spend time with him. Spend time alone with him. And and, and out of that time with Jesus will grow a natural instinct to tell others. Because he's your best friend. You've been walking with him, talking with him. He's changing your life. You want to see him change other people's lives. Develop intimacy with Christ. Spend time with Jesus. Hey, by the way, just very quickly as we kick off 2022, spending time with Jesus is a way to grow as an evangelist, but it's also the answer to a lot of other issues in your life. Spending time with Jesus will make you a better spouse. Spending time with Jesus will make you a better parent or grandparent. Spending time with Jesus will make you a better friend. Spending time with Jesus will help you to worry less. Spending time with Jesus will remind you of what's really important in this life. And I could go on and on and on. on. Listen, if you came to me with any need, any concern, any issue in your life, I guarantee you part of the answer to what you're going through will be this. Spend more time with Jesus. It's, It's just that important. But I believe that probably, and this is anecdotal, I've not done any research on this, but anecdotally, probably most Christians in America are not intentional about spending time alone with Christ. And it will change your life. It changed this disciple's life just by going and hanging out with him for the evening. And so, number one, decide to follow Christ. Number two, develop intimacy with Christ. Number three, determine to bring others to Christ. This flows out of your relationship, but determine, make a determination. You want to bring others to Christ. Look what it says in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Now we get one of the names. We don't get the other guy's name, but we get this name. Andrew, and this was Simon Peter's brother. And then it says, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Two things about Andrew I want you to see. First of all, Andrew models intentionality. He's intentional about bringing others to Christ. He starts with his family. How many of you in this room have have realized that family is the hardest group of folks to witness to. Raise your hand if you realize that. Tough, isn't it? And and it's just significant that Andrew starts with family. No one told him family was tough. He just has this, again, this impulse to go and tell his brother Peter. And he's intentional. He he goes to Peter. He, He models intentionality. Now here's the interesting thing about Andrew. As we see him in different parts of John's gospel, every time we see Andrew, he's bringing people to Jesus. Over in John chapter 6, when Jesus wants to feed 5,000 plus people, and the disciples don't know what to do because they don't know where the food is, they don't know how they're going to feed all of these folks, it's Andrew, Andrew, who brings the little boy to Jesus with five loaves of bread and two fish. Over in John chapter 12, 
There are some Gentiles, some Greeks it says in John, who wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to, to, to see him and spend some time. They've heard about him. They want to see him. Guess who comes and tells Jesus about that? Andrew. All throughout the Gospels, Andrew is just bringing people to Christ. It's just what he does. It's just the difference that he makes. Andrew was intentional. Now, in your worship guide this morning, you should have one of these. It's a bookmark. It says, Who's Your One? Now, we launched the Who's Your One initiative in January of 2019. Long time ago. And it's been a good initiative to keep us focused in on praying for others, reaching out to others. But, you know, it occurred to me recently that we've had a lot of people join since 2019. Lots of folks, lots of new faces, and that's a good thing. So we want to kind of just get refocused on who's your one. So you've got a, a bookmark in there. If you've done this before, just do it again, all right? And, and the goal of who's your one is that you write down someone's name that you believe needs Jesus, all right? You write their name down. And this tears in two, so it's got a place you can put in your Bible. You can put one in maybe in your vehicle or in your refrigerator and put the other piece in your Bible. And the, the longer piece has specific scriptures over 30 days that you can begin to pray for that person. So you're praying for that person to be saved. You're praying these scriptures over their lives. And then you're, you're, you're living with spiritual awareness. You're looking for opportunities to check on this person, to reach out to this person, to invite this person to a, a church event, to, to share Christ with them, to share your testimony. Whatever, whatever door opens, you're looking to be a winsome witness, to, to let them know that, that Jesus is all the world to you, and you want them to meet Christ too. And, and so it focuses you in on, on one. So I want to encourage you, whether you've done this before or, or you're, you're newer and, and have never heard of the Hoosier One Initiative, I want to encourage you to, to, some of you have a name already. Even as I was talking, a name came to your heart. Someone that you know in your sphere of influence that needs Jesus. Write their name down, begin praying for them, and look for opportunities to share Christ with them. All this is, it's a tool to help you and to help me be intentional. Andrew was intentional. He models intentionality. So keep this with you and let me know. Let me know. If, if you have an opportunity to talk to your one, come tell me. Or, or you're praying for your one and you, and you see God doing a work. In the, come, if you share Christ with someone, come tell me. If someone gets saved, come tell me about your one. And let's ask God to use this to help us to be intentional. But there's another thing that Andrew models and it's invitation. Look what it says back in John 1 verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then he brought him to Jesus. He invites him to come and meet Jesus. Andrew models invitation. One of my favorite definitions of evangelism is this. Evangelism is simply one sinner telling another sinner where to find the bread. Or one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. That's what it is. It's saying, I've met Christ. He's changed my life. 
Come and meet him too. You're inviting to the Savior. And Andrew models that invitation. There's a fourth step here and we'll be through. How can you and I be effective in bringing people to Jesus, decide to follow Christ, develop intimacy with Christ, determine to bring others to Christ, and fourth and last, delight in God's work? Look what it says in verse 42. He, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. What happens here? Andrew connects his brother with Jesus. And that's a reminder for you and for me what this is all really about. You see, when we bring people to Jesus, we have the privilege of introducing people to the one who changes lives. And Andrew is simply introducing his brother to the one who changes lives. Now, listen to me. This is so important. And and you know this, but it, it, it bears saying We don't save anyone. Amen? We don't do the saving. God does the saving. Salvation is of the Lord. The saving is not our responsibility. We're not not responsible for how people respond to Jesus. We're simply responsible for the introduction. Bringing people into a connection with Jesus. And that's what he does. He brings Peter and Jesus does the rest. Jesus immediately begins talking about his name. He has a plan and purpose for Peter's life. I call you Cephas, the rock. Which is a foreshadowing of of what God was going to do in and through Peter. So Andrew did the introducing. Jesus begins the changing, the transformation. Everyone see that? Our job is to introduce Jesus' job is to save, but Jesus' job is to change. And one of the greatest joys in the Christian life is to see someone changed by Jesus. There's really nothing more exciting than introducing someone to Christ and seeing Jesus save them and transform them. I remember the first times I saw someone saved at a time when God used my witness to introduce them to Christ. I was working at a summer internship with Campus Crusade for Christ in Orlando. And they took this group of interns and they taught us how to share the gospel. I really never learned before that time how to share the gospel. And they gave us a, a little track called The Four Spiritual Laws. Maybe you've seen that, that track. Bill Bright wrote it. And they trained us, and we took those tracks, and on July 4th, they took us to downtown Orlando to Lake Eola, and there's a major event that happened around Lake Eola, and they were going to shoot fireworks off, so there are a lot of people there sitting around the lake, sitting on blankets and, and things, and they, they dropped us off, and they sent us out in twos, and they said, go tell people about Christ. And I was, I was nervous, and you know I didn't know what to expect, I'd never really done much of that before, and and uh, we were kind of walking around the lake, and, and, and there was a group of, of young teenager age, uh, young people on a blanket sitting there waiting for the fireworks. And we walked up and, and timidly began to engage them in conversation, just kind of making small talk. And, and I'll never forget this. 
uh, it began to rain. Rain started coming down, and, and uh, I know if it started raining any, any harder, people were going to head to their vehicles. And even as a, just a, I, you know, I was a young guy, and I just, I just prayed. I said, God, would you, would you allow the, the rain to stop so we can, we can actually share Christ with these people? Because we were building a relationship, and things were going well. And I'll never forget this, and this is a true story. Um, the wind began to blow. The wind began to blow. And, and in a few moments, the rain just stopped. And we, and we began to have this conversation. And uh, there was one young man named Tito. And uh, Tito and I began to talk. And I just, I just, I just opened my, my, my tract. And I just began to read the tract to him. You know, law number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I just began to read the tract to him. And he was listening. And I read the second law and the third law and the fourth law. And I invited him to be saved, to give his life to Jesus. And uh, he said, okay. Sounds good. Like, he was fully on board. He didn't have any questions. He didn't have any arguments. He just heard it, and it made sense to him, and God was working in his heart. And so right there around Lake Eola, we bowed our heads, and, and I, I led in a prayer, and he asked Jesus to come into his life and save him. Tito got saved. And, you know, I look back on that, that time, and, and, you know, I wasn't, you wouldn't have looked at me and said, what an effective witness Wade was. I was scared, and... And there was some trepidation, and, and I, I didn't have answers to people's questions, and I just had this little track that I would read, you know. And God used it, and Tito got saved, and uh, it was glorious. Nothing, nothing more exciting than that. And so, if we're going to see God do unprecedented things in and through our faith family in 2022, we've got to be intentional about bringing people to Jesus. Amen? We've got to be intentional. This is what God has called us to do. We do the introducing. God does the saving. But what a privilege we have to point to Jesus and say, Behold, He's the Lamb of God. He's the one who died on the cross. He's the one who rose from the dead. He's the one who is mighty to save. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I don't know what the Lord has said to you this morning, how He's used His Word in your life. Perhaps you're here and you say, uh, Pastor Wade... I've never been saved. If, if I were to die right now, I have no assurance that I would go to heaven. I don't have a personal relationship with God. You talk about Tito getting saved all those years ago. Well, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm here in church, but I'm far from God. Well, I've got some good news for you. Jesus loves you. That's why he came to earth. He took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary and he lived a perfect life and he went to the cross to die for your sins and to die for my sins, to die for the sins of the world. He died on the cross taking the punishment that we deserve because we're the ones who've rebelled and sinned against the holy God. And after Jesus died on the cross and was buried early on the third day, he rose from the grave and he's alive today and he's mighty to save and 
the invitation, first of all, is for you. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, as we stand and sing, I want to invite you to slip out of your seat, come to the front, take my hand and say, Pastor Wade, I need Jesus. And we would love the privilege of sitting down with you for a few moments, sharing some scripture with you, answering any questions that you have, but most of all, just being there with you in that moment to encourage you. As you start the journey, you start the journey, the path of following Christ. And you start it by faith. Won't you come? Maybe you're here, that eternal question has been answered. But God is, has shown you this morning something significant about Andrew. And would you be so bold to say this morning, Lord, make me like Andrew. Make me like Andrew. Nothing fancy, nothing that stands out. He just brought people to Jesus. Would you ask the Lord to do that work in your life? To help you to be like Andrew, introducing people to the Savior. Helping people begin their journey of following Christ. Pointing to Jesus and saying, He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Would you ask God to make you like Andrew? Maybe God's leading you to be a member here at First Baptist. If that's the case, come down and let us know that. We'll talk to you from there. Whatever God's doing in your heart and life, would you just be obedient and respond to Him in these moments? Father, this is your time. Move in our midst by your grace and for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.